Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? All right, Sam. How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Just, uh, just staying afloat here, uh, keeping tabs on everything going on. It's uh, another busy time of year. Uh, UCLA football, we'll, we'll be talking them today. They, they lost that game at Oregon, 45-30. We'll make sure to share our thoughts, break that all down, uh, a day or two removed now that we've been had, had a chance to gather our thoughts and uh, formulate our opinions a little bit more. We'll, we'll share that with you guys. The first AP poll for uh, men's basketball came out. So UCLA came in at number eight. Uh, we, we were just talking about that before we got on. We'll, we'll uh, get you guys looped into that conversation too. Uh, get it on the pod, on the record, and everything. And uh, UCLA just played its secret scrim or secret scrimmage against uh, San Diego State today. So that's always a, a fun oh. thing to to break down the first little reports and leaks about stats and and results. So we'll break all that down. I uh, just want to thank you so much for listening and make sure you're turn on notifications for new episodes. Like subscribe on Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, wherever you're listening, and we appreciate it. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So with that all down and out of the way, let's get into this football game, Travis. Uh, We were both really looking forward to this. Uh, I'm sure everyone in the UCLA community was (laughs) was number nine UCLA against number 10 Oregon's the first top 10 on top 10 matchup in the Pac-12 since 2016. UCLA was undefeated. Oregon had won five in a row since losing to Georgia in the opener. It was really just two teams coming in at the height of their power. College game day was there. And UCLA kind of got handled. It, it 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 wasn't it wasn't great. Forty five thirty. Maybe that's the score it deserved to be. UCLA lose by fifteen. They lost. Didn't covers on the road. Rainy uh, defense was obviously pretty uh, not good. Let's <laughs> say. But Travis, let, let's let's hear your thoughts first. What were your your biggest takeaways from that performance in that game? Well, I would say this, Sam. Man, you know, like. I felt that uh, before going into the game, I felt like I, I hope they won, but I didn't know if they could sustain such a high intensity mm-hmm. over the, you know, this whole basically month of games, um, you know, and the pressure of being number nine. But like, 
let's be honest, like those last two wins um, were the biggest two wins in, you know, UCLA in the last 10 years, probably five to 10 years, you know, beating Washington mm-hmm. when they were 15 undefeated and then turn around and beating Utah. Um, so I didn't know if they could sustain that kind of level of intensity going to Oregon for a third straight week. Uh, maybe if it was at home, but since it was on the road, uh, they had to play Oregon style. And UCLA, as much as a track meet team as they are, nobody's a track meet team like Oregon's a track meet team. Um, I think to beat Oregon, you have to do what Stanford does most of the years or what Georgia does physically beat them up physically, you know? And the fact that Oregon got going early and then they got a lead and then it kind of snowballed where you said they was trying to play catch up. And once you're playing catch up against Oregon in Oregon, it's going to be a long, because they're going to, they're going to, they're just going to run you out of the gym kind of thing. They remind, they have a very Kansas city chiefs kind of feel, you mm-hmm. know, where it's just, mm-hmm. they speed the game up so fast to where it's hard, you know, for your defense. If you, if you're doing the three and out, even if you're going six now, your defense is like, huh, okay, I got to go back on, you know, like this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the craziest thing, though, is that UCLA scored on its first five possessions, and it had, yeah. sev- it had seven drives, and it scored on six of them. The one that they didn't score on, they made it all the way into the red zone, and, and DTR threw a pick in the end zone on fourth down to avoid the sack. Mm-hmm. So they they moved down the field and almost scored on every drive, and they still lost by two possessions. So that's just... I, I think going in, Chip Kelly should have recognized this is going to be a track meet. I think he should have looked at his personnel against Oregon's personnel. Like, yeah, you can be physical against Utah, who's a well-coached team, but when it comes to talent, is maybe, I don't know, fifth best in the Pac-12 when it comes to their star ranking and their athletes. They're they're always really good because they're well-coached and they're consistent. But you can be physical against Utah. Oregon is a bunch of five stars from Southern California and Texas and, and the Pacific Northwest and all these guys. They got the Nike money, the flash, the speed, the power, all these top tier guys playing at an, ex- an extremely high level since that Georgia game. So between week two and week seven, Oregon was averaging 49.8 points per game. They were going to score on you. You weren't going to be able to out physical them on the other side. And, and so Chip Kelly should have gone in knowing this is going to be a track mate and game plan accordingly. He didn't do that. He kind of tried to out physical this team. He tried to dink and dunk and it, it pretty much just played run to what Dan Lanning wanted because mm-hmm. UCLA would string together these long drives that would kind of just not, not go anywhere because they, they get down the field and they'd settle for field goals and settle for field goals. And Meanwhile, Oregon was, they were throwing the screens. They were making plays around, around the line of scrimmage. And then they would take the top off because they couldn't, because they knew they needed those big plays and those touchdowns to win the game. And Dan Lanning knew that in a track meet, he needs every possession he can to get a, get points on the board. So he goes for that surprise onside kick in the second quarter, catches UCLA off guard. They recover. They score another touchdown. It goes from being a 10-10 game to a 24-10 game. And UCLA hasn't touched the ball. That's exactly what Chip Kelly needed to do. I mean, not saying he needed to go for an onside kick, but when it comes to the mentality and what his overall thought process was going into the game, he either had too much confidence in his defense 
or, or didn't think that Oregon was a good offense for some reason, or thought he'd be able to finish these drives against these athletes. I don't know what it was. I just think he was in the total wrong headspace coming in. I, I don't want to totally put him on blast for it because he put together really good game plans against Washington and against Oregon, uh, sorry, against Utah. Uh, that that got UCLA a couple of really big wins that it needed. They started the year six and zero. Chip Kelly's been a, a very good X's and O's coach for pretty much much of the last two three years. But the game plan, I that that's tough. I think that's where UCLA lost it. Oregon had the talent, they had the home field advantage, uh, they had the the ballsiness factor, whatever you want to call it, from Dan Lanning. <laughs> And UCLA didn't have that. I mean, Zach Charbonnet played great. Doran Thompson-Robinson was not at a Heisman level, but he played pretty well. Jake Bobo was really good. Uh, they Kaz Allen made a lot of catches, made a lot of plays. But they just, it was a lot of short plays. And Oregon kind of did what UCLA did to Utah and Washington. It's like, oh, Michael Penix, Cam Rising, you want to put up big numbers and big stats? That's fine. You can do it with seven-yard gains once UCLA is up by two and a half scores or like yeah, like two, yeah, two yeah. possession, three possession. That That's what Oregon did this time around. They were up big. They're like, yeah, sure. Take those small gains, eat up some clock and, and we'll win. It's all good. Whatever. Mm-hmm. No, I think the momentum of Oregon, it's always like the momentum in football. Like you try things, like you said, like they scored and then they got the all-star kick, then they scored again. And so now you got the crowd into it big. And, like, the crowd is rocking. Oregon, you know, the confidence is going. They have a cushion. And what I meant by play physical, UCLA doesn't necessarily have the the personnel. Like, let's just get that. Like, Georgia mm-hmm. probably has the best personnel in college football. So, um, yeah, UCLA is not going to do what Georgia did because they don't have the athletes nor the great players that Georgia has. Now, um, I think that, like you said, like, I think, in the blink of an eye, you know, Oregon scores. And the fact that you can't give them a momentum type of thing, you know, you can't give them like momentum plays, you know, or momentum things. You have to be solid at every phase of the game. And yes, granted, was that onside kick unexpected? Yes. But it's something that you always got to look out for in a way, you know, because you just never know. You have to be prepared for everything. And I knew that Oregon was going to pull out all the stops against UCLA because it was a big, like you said, a big hype game, national, you know, implications and, um, you know, everything game day, all this stuff. So they wanted to make a statement, you know, and like you said, I think the game plan could have been a little bit different, you know, than the dink and dunk kind of thing. Um because you knew, like you said, you knew Oregon was going to score. Uh, but did you think Oregon? He probably was thinking Oregon was going to was going to score forty five points uh, on the defense. I mean, they were averaging fifty. I, I, I think <laughs> UCLA's defensive statistics coming into this game made people think that they were a really good defensive team. Right. When in reality, they played four bad offenses to start the year, and yes. then those two big wins against Washington and Utah, the offense did its job in taking control of the game and let the defense play Ben don't break against offenses that kind of fit that mold. Oregon is a team that will make you pay for trying to bend don't break it and whatever that is, whatever that means really when you <laughs> think about it. Um, and, and 
I, I feel like a lot of people could tell that this was the week that the defense was going to snap. Maybe not to this extent. 45, 45 points is a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was hard to believe that UCLA's defense had gone from really bad the last four years to really good all of a sudden. I think everyone who who had watched this team and seen what they did, they could probably tell you that the stats were a little misleading and that the defense had gone from really bad to average or slightly above average. When you're an average or slightly above average defense playing an Oregon offense that's averaging 50 points per game since that Georgia game, they're going to put up points. But I, I want to go back to what you were saying about momentum. And, and I'm in total agreement there. Chip Kelly was asked about it after the game, about the onside kick and what it did to momentum. He said, I don't think it changed the momentum. We've still got to get stops, and we didn't do that. I don't think the onside kick changed us from getting stops to not getting stops. And like, I mean, yeah, you're right, I guess. But to say that didn't change the momentum is ridiculous. It's just completely ignoring the context of the game, the the feeling. It's It doesn't, I don't know, if you're looking at the game on a spreadsheet, then maybe it doesn't it doesn't show where the momentum shift, but if you're there and you hear everything and, and you get the emotions and the butterflies and all that stuff plays into it. So I, I think it's, I, I don't know if Chip Kelly's actually overlooking that or if he's just being difficult in a press conference because that's what he does. <laughs> but I think it'd be pretty naive of him to overlook that because I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. I don't expect him to go out there and say, wow, Dan landing out coached me today. But I mean, Dan Lang out coached him on Saturday. And I, I hope that he recognizes that now. I hope he doesn't just throw it aside and say it doesn't matter, whatever. Like he's got to learn some lessons from that because that, that was not the, the best performance. And from what he said after the game, I I'm not really feeling great about things moving forward. I mean, you got a couple easier games. We'll talk about the road ahead in a little bit. But in terms of the the high expectations and the championship aspirations and all that um, things need to change. I, I know six and one looks pretty good, but coming off this game, a lot needs to change. There, there were, there were issues. The defense was, was pretty poor. Offense couldn't finish drives, coaching game plan, not where it needed to be. I don't know. I I'm, I don't want to be too negative. Travis. I, I don't, I feel like, I feel like talking so negatively about this, a lot of people will hear this or, or whatever and they'll think, Oh, like he's totally writing off because of one game. It's like, no, they started six and oh, it's six and one now. And I don't know, this they'll still probably get to 10 wins, but will they beat USC? Will they go to the Pac-12 championship game? Can they go to the Rose bowl? Like this, people shouldn't just give up and say like, Oh, we were going to lose two out of these three tough games. So we should be happy that we won two, that we won two. It's like, no, no, expectations shifted when you started 6-0 and and people started talking about college football playoff and a Heisman for DTR. And everyone, all the all the fans, all the happy-go-lucky fans are like, oh, look, I told you so in the preseason when I said we were going to be good. It's like, yeah, okay. So don't now retreat, stick to it. Say, yeah, we are good. And and, and UCLA is good. And don't, don't accept the loss and don't cope and come up with all these excuses. Like, no, no, no. I, I think this team is good. I went from thinking this team was pretty good to really good. And that loss doesn't totally change that, but now they're going to have to prove that they're really good moving forward. So I, I don't know. There, there's a long road ahead. It, six, a six and zero start doesn't win you a championship. You still have to play out the second half of the season. No, I agree with you 100%. 
I think, uh, like you said, the expectations change when once you beat Washington and Utah in back to back games and yeah. beat them both pretty handily in a way. Uh, the expectations does change, and like I said, uh, or like you were saying, uh, rather, uh, they they can still win ten games. I guarantee you, if they win these next three. SC wins their next three. They're both nine and one. They're both mm-hmm. probably in the top twelve. I yeah. don't know how you know what I'm saying. Like I don't. I think. I, SC... I mean, right now UCLA is twelve and and USC is ten. I think so. Yeah. Right now they're both in the top. So if they each yeah, win their so... next three, that's another top ten matchup right there. And and just mm-hmm. to to put it out there, UCLA is playing Stanford at home, Arizona State at Arizona State, and then Arizona at home for the, for the next mm-hmm. three. So, I mean, I think they're a 12-point favorite over Stanford. They'll probably be double-digit favorites in all, all three of those games. No, um, no. Let, no, let me pull up let, let me pull up USC's to see I what think they're looking at. They're they're going Arizona, Arizona Cal, Colorado. Yeah. So, so Cal and Colorado, bottom tier Arizona, not not that great. They're they're gonna be nine and one against nine and one, but like you were saying, that's yeah. that's gonna be really important. And I guarantee you what's gonna happen. With because you know I think they have seven ACC teams that's that's ranked, but they're gonna cannibalize each other in the top ten. Like all the all UCLA and SC has to do is just went out because you know Tennessee's gonna play um, Georgia, you know, I think Georgia and yeah. Ole Miss, and you know like all them teams in the top mm-hmm, ten is gonna start mm-hmm. ca- cannibalize each other. When Ohio State and Michigan play each other, yeah, Ohio State and Michigan plays each other pretty. You know, in the next three games. Only teams, only two teams. I feel like is not not going to lose. I don't think Clemson's going to lose because they don't have they don't play anybody. Their last big game was this last weekend, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if I think Michigan loses to Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State. Yeah. Loses. E- either way, one of those teams is going to yeah, be like undefeated. yeah, like whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, one of them is going to be undefeated. Yeah, but I think what's what's good for SC and UCLA is that two of those teams are going to knocked out of the top ten. At least you know maybe three you know it just depends and so like they'll get a chance both get a chance to move up and they'll win both nine and one and I feel like whoever wins that game will be in the Pac-12 championship against probably Oregon yeah um, I, I think it's I think if UCLA wins it they're probably gonna be playing Oregon if yeah. USC wins it then they still might have to worry be- about what Utah does because USC yeah, lost they, Utah. Yeah, they, they, UCLA doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, UCLA doesn't have to worry about it as much because UCLA beat Utah. Um, but if if USC lost Utah, then I mean maybe it could be Utah versus USC instead of Oregon up there. But Oregon with no losses obviously has a lead right now. Uh, we'll see. There, the when it comes to tiebreakers and getting rid of divisions this year, uh, it, it's going to take longer for the the championship picture to kind of come together a little bit. So we'll, we'll have to wait on all the different scenarios, but yeah, for the most part, like those are the four teams contending for it. And whoever wins that UCLA USC team, that the UCLA USC game is more than likely going to be playing for the Pac-12 yeah. championship. Yeah. And and I feel definitely like whoever wins that game, uh, you go to the Pac-12 championship and let's say UCLA wins, beats SC, then goes to the Pac and then avenges Oregon. You know, like they're they probably will be in the college playoff or at least right around it. I feel I like think they'll it, be in that. I think they'll be in the discussion. Yeah, I they'll think. be in that top six. Top if six. they had gone undefeated 
they would have controlled their own destiny, they'd be in no matter what as, a, as an undefeated power five champion. Absolutely. Now that yeah. they lost, I mean, they have a, a pretty decent shot of like their, their resume would look good because yes. they'd get revenge against the team that beat them. Yes. Which would help. Um, so you go from losing on the road to beating them at a neutral site, which would, which would look good. Uh, and, and then in that case, if those two games are washed then you beat everyone on your schedule, and and they would have let's let's say say they beat SC and Oregon, and they would have two top ten victories, and then four top fifteen victories in one season, and they, obviously we you know we can compare resumes to SC you know how that is uh, yeah, yeah compare resumes to SEC teams or whatever the case is, but I feel like if UCLA wins out and they're eleven and one Pac twelve champ with four top 10 wins or two top 10 wins and four top 15 wins, they would have a good shot. Like I said, I don't know how everything's going to shake out. Uh, I think it's going to be some, a little bit of madness this year because Georgia doesn't play Alabama. So. Uh, well, they might we'll in the SEC championship and game. It, it depending. Play into the well, SEC I, championship. Actually, yeah, because it, it all depends on what happens with Tennessee. and Tennessee I, plays I think, Georgia. Yeah. It's, I think it's, you're right to an extent that those teams would kind of cannibalize each other, but. A one-loss UCLA team coming out of even though the Pac-12 is good this year, it still has that yeah. reputation of being yeah, of the course, fifth best Power Five. Of course, of course. If UCLA comes out of that as a one-win conference champion, as opposed to you look at uh, an undefeated Clemson team and either Ohio State or Michigan's undefeated, the other one has one loss. So, like, does a one-loss Michigan team make it, or a one-loss UCLA team, or a one-loss Alabama, or undefeated Georgia, undefeated Tennessee? Uh, undefeated TCU, a one-loss TCU. I don't know. There's just the the whole point is losing yeah. this game to Oregon means you don't control your own destiny. You're gonna have to yeah. you're gonna have to count on some of those teams dropping games. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I th- I think the interesting thing is we're still talking about the college football playoff, even though it's pr- like it's it's a lot less likely now, obviously, than than if they had won this past game. It's not over. This se- this season is not over. When we criticize this team for playing a bad game, doesn't mean that the team sucks and will suck moving forward. <laughs> it, it, it just makes things a little tougher. I I, I sent this out on Twitter uh, on on Saturday night, saying like, "There's no cliche in sports that I hate more than people saying, you know, well maybe they needed this loss. Like, <laughs> no way. I hate I hate it, especially in college football, <laughs> when every loss means so much." If you're yes. trying to make the college football playoff, or trying to make the Rose Bowl, or trying to go to conference championship game, if there's not a lot of games. Every game means something. Tiebreaker means something. It it's huge. Every game is huge, especially in these big moments. Not a, even putting that aside, mm-hmm. I think good teams can learn from wins. They can they can win a game, look back at the tape, and say, you know, what? we could have that. We could have done that even better. Good teams shouldn't have to lose to learn. And I think this UCLA team is good. I think this is a good team. And I don't think they need to lose to learn. I just hate when people build in that excuse or like try to have that bright side, that that whatever that mentality is, is like, oh, they lost, but they'll get better because they lost. Or they're in a better spot because they lost. No, 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 no. They're in a worse spot. Doesn't mean they're in a horrible spot or that the season's over. But they should have, <laughs> they, they would be in a better spot if they won and they, they still could have learned stuff. If they won, they could have gone back and watched tape and see where the matchups didn't work and see where the game plan didn't work. 
And, and I'm sure they've done that in the past few weeks. Chip Kelly talks a lot about that. There's stuff to learn from wins and losses. You don't just, when you win a game, you don't watch tape the next week because you're, you're golden. It's like, no, you, you can learn from wins. And you can learn from losses too. I think they'll they'll bounce back these next couple of weeks and that'll be good. But that USC game, they're really, really going to have to learn from this Oregon loss if they're going to turn things around against USC because that's another team that can hang a lot of points on you and can take control of the game and, and take control of the pace of the game and really put your defense on its heels. So you, you cannot have another performance like this when you play USC in, what, a month, is it? Yeah, that, that can't happen again. They can't fly. No, I agree. I think, um, you know, when that well, obviously we're gonna that that's gonna be the matchup of the year. I think that may be the biggest matchup of USC UCLA, and I don't even know how long we're both two. Let's just say they're both in the top ten. When's the last time USC and UCLA has been in the top ten playing each other at the end of the season? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, that, I, that's I don't gonna remember. Be fun. Yeah, I don't remember. So like, this could be the greatest UCLA season since the Kate McNown days. Um, if they you know do something like win 10, 11 games. Now me and you. We talked about the season. We said minimum three losses, um, maybe even four. And so the fact that they've exceeded expectations um, so far, so far, uh, you know, is a great thing. So it'll be interesting to see uh, these next three weeks for both UCLA and SC to see how they make adjustments, both coming off losses in their last games. Um so if if they can kind of, like you said, get better, learn from the tape, learn what they have to do better. I think, you know, what Oregon did in the passing game was go at UCLA corners. And mm-hmm. their receivers was catching them, beating them, talking to them. After almost every play, it seemed like they were catching it, stepping over them, talking to them. <laughs> I was like, golly, I mean, <laughs> defensive passing, if something, stop him. <laughs> no, they challenged their yeah. corners. And that's what SC one thing SC does have this year is wide receivers. So um it'll be interesting to see how UCLA kind of adjust their game plans when it comes to teams who can throw the ball like that. I mean, let's face it, I think Washington had talent, but the receivers weren't that good, you know. Uh or I, I, mean, I think you Washington had better receivers than Utah. I think Washington had yes, three yeah, three yeah. really big receivers who had played well to that point. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and UCLA matched up well with them because yeah. they had physical corners, they had veteran safeties, uh, and I don't I don't know if that flies with the more pure <laughs> athlete kind of guys that Oregon has and that USC will have. Like yeah. you're saying, yeah, like you said, the speedy guys that like they can get open in a flash. And those, you know, like I said, Oregon's receivers just challenged them. And but like I said, I, I, overall, I still felt that UCLA played well. But this, when you play a catch up in Oregon, you're not going to catch them. They're one of those. Uh, I want to say, like I said, like a Kansas City, where if they're up, they're rolling, you know, because it's hard to catch that speed. And then you start pressing, and then you start trying to blitz and do all this other stuff. And then next thing you know, you got their, you know, their athletes in space. And that's the worst thing to do against Oregon having athletes in space. So, you know, it's still in UCLA's hands. I still feel like UCLA can get back into the top seven, eight uh, before they play SC. 
because I feel like the teams ahead of them is going to lose. So mm-hmm. I think if they continue to win, they're nine and one. SC nine and one. They're both top ten when they play each other. Uh, and then we'll then we'll let the chips fall where they may. You know that's 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 a dream thing. You know, uh, that's what you want. You want SC to be great. You want UCLA to be great because that's what you know. Matchups like this and robberies like this is about. Obviously, we'll get in that later. But let's just start with the first game, getting back on track this week. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's we're funny. we're, I we're already to, like projecting nine and one. This I know. I was first. I was about to go into the transition, wrap things up in this talking topic, and be like, oh yeah. I mean, we're talking a lot of USC game. But they, they do play Stanford this week. Stanford, who had beat UCLA like what eleven times in a row <laughs> until uh, UCLA has taken two out of the last three. It's probably they're they're probably gonna make it three out of four this week. I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of Stanford this year. Uh, they've they upset Notre Dame. They they won this week. I they they're winning scoring for 15 points 16 points that's not gonna fly against ucla i just if ucla loses that one they are in trouble big trouble but <laughs> generally i you know let's let's move on to basketball travis <laughs> let's let's put this football stuff behind us we, we've, we've, we've talked enough about it i think I um the ap poll came out this week uh and ucla like we were saying earlier debuted at number eight uh, full disclosure here, uh, Travis. I was telling you that this year I am an AP voter. Um, so on my ballot, I had UCLA at number four, and of course, <laughs> when it when when the poll drops at Monday morning, whenever that was, I go and I check what other people's ballots look like, and I'm like, oh no, I have UCLA higher than anyone else, don't I? Of course I do. <laughs> there, there were there were some writers that had them at five, so it wasn't anything egregious. But I, I did have that thought process going on in my head. Try. I was like, "Am I biased? I, I don't want people to think I'm biased because this is this is real. This is a legit position. Like, I, I want to take this very seriously, and I don't want anything to play in." And then I think about it, and I look at the roster and schedule and returning production and all Americans and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, no. Like, I, I think, I mean, I'm not too higher, too much higher on them than other people. But to say that this UCLA team is a top five team is not that much of a stretch. What, what do you think? No, I, I mean to be honest, if you're if you're four, if you're eight, it's really not that big of a deal to be honest. Especially um, preseason. Like pre-season, let's preface this conversation with it doesn't yeah. really matter, but yeah, we, we have yeah, a podcast. No, I, we, I, we we have to talk about these things. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I think look, I do I do is there a big difference between UCLA number eight and then North Carolina number one? No. Uh you know, North Carolina lost some pieces last year. UCLA lost some pieces last year. I don't think that it's really that big of a difference. Um, you know, I, I do think that uh, we were talking about it off air. I was like, if they're number eight, imagine if uh, Jules and what's the name would stay there. would be yeah, number yeah, one. Johnny. Yeah, it's, yeah. That, I, I will say, though, I feel like that's something where nationally or someone in the, someone in the East Coast or someone who covers Big East basketball or something. Some some AP writer from New Jersey mm-hmm. thinks, oh wow, that Johnny Juzang had a crazy March Madness, and he put up the he led them in points per game last year, so they lost Johnny Juzang. That's tough. Yeah. We've talked to Travis uh, on this podcast so over the course of the offseason about, yeah, Johnny was really good, but it might be addition by subtraction to some extent because he kind of he was a stopper in their offense. He was inefficient at times. Towards the end of the year, he was kind of cold, didn't do anything in March Madness. So not to say that 
it is addition by subtraction. I, I kind of, I don't really like that term, even though I literally just used it, but it's not as big of a loss as some of the people who don't pay attention to UCLA may think, because they think UCLA lost its final four hero and, and the guy who powered them through that March madness run. And yeah, that is true. They did, but it had been a long time since then. And, and I don't know the, the bigger image of Johnny Juzang may have been more valuable than the actual player himself. So the the fact you're, you're right. If he had come back, a lot of people would be like, Oh, UCLA easy. That's a top three team. And because he isn't they're like, Oh, I'm going to put them in at nine on my ballot. When in reality, I don't think it makes too much of a difference considering who you're bringing in. The shots get spread around to other guys. I, I don't know. I that's, that's where I feel like, you and I, know, knowing this team, watching it more carefully, have a different kind of insight into what that subtraction, that loss actually means. No, like I think, is it a loss? Sure. But like we talked, like you just said, um, you know, like because he had experience, he played in the Final Four, you know, Sweet 16, yada, 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 yada. But they have talent. And like I've seen it firsthand in the summer league, uh, summer league up at UCLA playing pickup. They have a lot. They have some new up and coming talent. There's some people that that got hurt last year that's coming back this year. Um, you know, they have obviously one of the top guards in the country out of high school coming in with Bailey. They have another McDonald's All American coming in. You know, they brought Tiger back, which was huge. You know, uh, they, they like I said, they have. They have everything you could possibly need to compete at the highest level. Plus, I feel like this year there is no like last year they had to deal with Arizona. This year there is no Arizona, you know, as far as talent wise in the Pac twelve. I think Arizona still be good. They won't be nowhere near as good as they were last year. Um, in my opinion. Now they 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 could be, but you know, we'll see. I think they lost a lot of players and uh I don't think it'll be as good, but I love their schedule. I love the fact that they play Kentucky. I love the fact that they play, you know, like high level competition. So we can see where they're at. He's eating the whole game. So um, I'm looking forward to this season, to be honest, uh, because I think that it can be one of those runs that people don't expect them to make, you know, a final four run. It's like the first year they did. Um and all of it. I'm not saying they have to work their way from the playing games to the Final Four, but let's just say they're a two seed, you know, or something like that, and they make it to the Final Four. I think that they have that kind of talent this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think on that topic, let's ease into this one for a sec, Travis, before we wrap things up here. Uh, UCLA had its secret scrimmage today. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. They had this, this scrimmage on Sunday against San Diego State. Uh, in San Diego and they reportedly and, and there's a lot of reports I'm getting most of my info from Bernie Wilson he's an AP writer in San Diego uh, he put this out on Twitter that UCLA beat San Diego State 89-87 oh so, wow high scoring game <laughs> and and to, to preface this we were talking about UCLA being number 8 in the AP poll San Diego State's 19 so they're they're a legit team, uh, when it, especially when it comes to non-power five Big East teams. They're one of the best there is, uh, and they just happen to be nearby, and they happen to be the team that McCronin likes to scrimmage against. Um, let's see, Tiger Campbell scored thirty-one. Wow, <laughs> he was 
He hit seven three-pointers, seven to 12 from three. Mm -hmm. Jaime Hawkins had 26 points. I believe he was hitting threes too. Um, what what else am I getting? I I also have some things from 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 a source of mine who who was texting me about it. Uh, Mac Etienne and, and Will McClendon, who are coming back from torn ACLs last year, they did not play, um, but they have been practicing. They'll be they'll be full go within a couple of weeks. By the time the the exhibitions and the actual season starts in a couple of weeks, um, I I heard this. And I'm going to quote this from from a friend of mine who's texting me. Mari Bailey was unguardable and getting tons, getting others tons of shots. So that's what I love to see. So not only do you have Tiger, who is one of the top three passers in the country, one of the best assisted turnover guys in the country. Yes. You also have Mari Bailey, who is distributing and drawing defenders. And the two of them can score and the two of them can pass. That's going to be an awesome backcourt. Mm-hmm. Jalen Clark, uh, after after the game, tweeted some some smile emojis. I think about the win, but also maybe suggests he played well. I don't know. There's a lot of guesswork going on here. Um, it, who who knows how things really went in the flow of the game? I, I'm seeing that UCLA was up 18 in the second half at some point. So Friday, it, it, everybody yeah, it, out. Yeah, subbed, yeah, yeah. And then San Diego State made it close late. However, it went down. I think the biggest thing to take away here, other than the backcourt being great and, and Jaime being healthy, is what were the biggest issues for UCLA late in the year last year when they lost to Arizona in, in the Pac-12 championship game and they lost to North Carolina at Sweet 16? Because they couldn't get buckets late. Mm-hmm. They Their defense was was like... It, it was a it was a really good defense last year, and it still managed to be an above average defense when you played good teams like North Carolina and like Arizona. And in both of those games, they had second half leads, and then they went ice cold in the last eight minutes of both those games. Ice cold, just could not get anything to fall. Settling for tough jumpers if you're Johnny Juzang. The Jaime Hawkes was slowing down. He he was banged up. Um, just didn't didn't have it in those last few games. Now. You have Tiger scoring better than ever. Jaime is at full strength. Amari Bailey is really opening up your offense. You're putting up 90 points against a ranked team. So if this team can can score late like it did in March Madness in 2021 and add that to the kind of thing they had going on defensively and overall for most of last season, mm-hmm. this is a really, really good team. This is so a team that can play at a top five level, make a final four. If everything falls the right way, I I like what I hear from this scrimmage. I, I I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from this roster. There, there's definitely a lot to like here, Travis. No, definitely. What were they missing last year more than anything? We talked about it many times. A guy who can go to the basket. Uh, yeah. you know, because because Juzang could score, but, but he, he wasn't was he shooter. wasn't slashing. Yeah. There it were times in March Madness in twenty in twenty twenty one. He, I think he had that uh the the game the game time bucket in overtime. Yeah, was the hit the yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And he wasn't doing yeah. any of that last year. He was settling no. for those jumpers. Yeah, a lot of they they shot UCLA shot a ton of jumpers, and what Bailey does is bring athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even mm-hmm. though don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Johnny, uh, but like Jules was athletic, but I think that. You have to realize that uh, Bailey's athleticism is on another level. It's probably Russell Westbrook ish. I'm assuming, you know, like what I've saw, 
I saw from high school and what I see UCLA pickup games when he would play. Um, and I think that, you know, they need somebody like that, a creator, somebody that off the bounce can get to the basket, like you said, and create for everybody else, create for Tiger, create for Jaime Hawkins, create for everybody finishing around the basket. And so this year, I think the big man, remember, we talked about this so many times last year, the big man would be better. Because last year, what was our problem? We didn't have no inside scoring at all from our big man. Yeah. Uh, Because even our big man shot jumpers. Not Johnson, obviously, but. Yeah, uh, Cody Riley. Cody Riley was just. He he could hit that mid range pretty well, but the the way he worked in the offense, I don't know, was not. Was not a great fit considering he had been there for five years. Yeah, yes, I said we don't we don't have to get into all that, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think this year is going to be a, a different story. I think they're going to be able to score and get those buckets, tough buckets inside this year because they'll have uh, a slew of big men, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see because I, I really think you know Cronin being a coach playing tough defense. And then being able to score and shoot threes, I think it's going to be a really, really good season. I'm really excited to see what they're about this year. I'm so excited to see uh, if they can, like the fact that UCLA is back and they're ranked top 10 preseason. I love it. You know? Uh, yeah. They're top 10 preseason for back-to-back years. And I think before these past two years, they hadn't been ranked top 10 the preseason since 09. So they went through a 12-year drought and a 10-year drought, 11, whatever it was. Now it's back-to-back. Yeah, it's, back. it's been Holland. This is Holland. Yeah. This is legit. The program is real. That Final Four was not a fluke. They go to Sweet 16 last year, and they're a national championship contender this year. That's that's the, the lowdown on this team. It's hard to project out too far in advance, considering the whole season is still coming up. But it's hard not to feel good about this team. If you're really looking at the, the overall breakdown and construction, how they can produce, how they fit with one another, probably better than they have before. It's going to yep. be a, a big coaching job by, by Mick Cronin and his staff coming up, but it's one I think they can rise to for sure. Definitely. You know, I can't wait to do on one of our future episodes. We can do break down each game like we did with football. And see what oh, yeah. the record is going to be, you know? Perfect. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's, and that's the thing, Travis. It's coming up. What they got, uh, their exhibition against Concordia is next Wednesday. So November 2nd. And then they, they have the season opener against Sacramento State on the 7th. Mm-hmm. So they, there you go. That's, that's in two weeks. The, the real regular season starts in two weeks. So college <laughs> basketball is coming up. We're, we're going to be, on the pod a lot more talking a lot of UCLA basketball as things progress, as they go on, as the big games come up and everything, we'll, we'll break it all down for you here. And yeah, just want to thank you again for listening to believe in UCLA presented by bet online. Travis, thanks again for being my co-host today. Where can people find you when you work online? Pretty much. You can follow me on Instagram at Travis W Reed. That's R E E D. First name, Travis W. Um, and also follow me on Facebook, Travis W. Reed. Uh, not all together on Facebook. And I post pretty much uh, most of my social media stuff on those two sites. Um, and if you get bored, like I said, uh, 
you know, <laughs> you can you can follow me on YouTube as well at Travis Reed and Athlete's Journey, and uh, check out some of my content there as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. You can follow me at Sam Condon on Twitter and head on over to allbruins.com, which is the UCLA site on the Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation Networks to get all the UCLA content you could ever want. Make sure to check that out and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.